You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. So, human nature oftentimes is for us to see people do something and see that it works and say, man, I want to try to replicate that. I want to try to, to do that because... You know, we're just the people we want to see ourselves be successful. So we see somebody else be successful in something and we say, all right, what can I learn from that person? How can I take something that they did, apply it to my life and maybe see the same sort of success? Right. We see this in uh, in in athletes. A lot of, you know, NBA stars, they take on this this mantra that kind of Kobe Bryant was one of the first ones to have this attitude the mamba mentality where you just you go in you work hard put in hours and hours and hours and you know that work pays off into you being a successful basketball player a lot of current NBA players attribute their success to Kobe Bryant they saw him put in work and they saw how successful he became and they applied that to themselves or we see somebody like a musician might try to, to imitate the chords of somebody like Jimi Hendrix or something like that. You know, we look at people, successful people, and we say, what can I learn from them? Well, this could also work on the flip side, right? We can see somebody who has just a major disastrous fail and say, I want to avoid doing that at all costs. I want to do everything except what that person did. And just an immediate one that came to my mind was when, uh, when Fergie tried to sing the national anthem at the NBA All-Star Game a few years ago. I don't know, if you know what I'm talking about, you know how disastrous that was. It was just, it was not good. Uh, so we, we can take a page from her book and say, hey, let me not do the same thing that she did then. Well, this morning we're going to do that. We're going to look at somebody in the Bible, somebody in Scripture, and we're going to say, all right, I want to model my life to be not what this person did, right? We're going to look at the story, a story of Saul from the Old Testament um, and say, all right, how can I learn from Saul and how not to live my life, right? So I'm going to ask Barrett Marshall is going to come and pray for the service. Uh, Miss Anna Hudson was supposed to do it, but uh, her and Baylor were not feeling well this morning, so we'll keep them in our prayers. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, allowing us all to be here in fellowship together, Lord. Um, I ask that you would uh, bless our our church members over in South Asia and that they would be successful in their mission trip and and, uh, have safe travels back home later on this week. Uh, I ask that you would bless this message that Josh has prepared for us today and you would speak through him and, uh, and work in our hearts, Lord, and we would take this message and apply it to our lives. Uh, I ask this in all Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Spirit. All right, so this morning we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 15, um, and we're going to be talking, like I said, about Saul, um, the, the first king of the nation of Israel, right? And so we know that, that God had ordained Israel to not have a king. That God's plan was for, for them to not have a king, that they would just be ruled ultimately by God's uh, leadership. But they wanted a king, they asked for a king, so God said, okay, I'll give you a king. And this king was Saul, right? And so we're gonna read uh, from 1 Samuel 15 and learn how we can learn from Saul on how not to live our lives. All right, so starting in verse 1, it says, And Samuel said to Saul, 
The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in, in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul defeated the Amalekites with Havilah as far as uh, Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction." So the first thing that we can learn uh, from Saul that he did was that he gave partial obedience, okay? So God's instruction was to go and destroy everything in the land. All people, all animals, destroy it all, leave nothing behind, right? And we read that that's not what Saul did. Saul went and he destroyed most of the people. He destroyed most of the livestock, but he wanted to keep some of the livestock because it was good and he thought he could get use out of it. So Saul partially obeyed what God told him to do, but he did not carry it out, carry it to completion what God had instructed him to do, right? So when I read this and when I was studying this, I was reminded of, of just people, but more specifically myself. I find myself a lot in a situation where you know, whether it was when I was a kid and my parents would tell me to do something or even now when, when God tells me to do something and I just, you know, kind of halfway do it. Do enough that I can say that I did it and still get by with it, but not carry it out to completion. I remind myself of, uh, I remind myself of me when I, when I was studying this uh, and, and how I remember being a kid and, and my parents would tell me to clean my room and I would either, you know, shove everything under the bed or shove everything in a closet and then, you know, say that I cleaned my room and that was the end of it and, and, and that's how I would get by. And, and I see people doing this a lot in their, in their jobs and in, you know, just daily walking through life. People are just doing just enough to get by, just enough to say that they did the right thing. Right, but, but we know that, that God calls us to complete obedience, right? I've, I've heard this saying my whole life, partial obedience is complete disobedience, right? And so this is what God calls us to. And we see Saul did not carry that out. He did not have complete obedience. Um, he did almost everything God said for him to do. And so, you know, he didn't, he didn't kill all the people. He didn't kill all the livestock. And, and you may be thinking like, well, what does this have to do with me? Like God doesn't call me to go out and, you know, kill people. God doesn't call me to go out and kill animals. Well, God does call you to do things. He calls you to make disciples of all nations. Uh, and sometimes we don't carry that out to completion. We say, yeah, well, maybe I'll share the gospel with somebody whenever it's convenient for me or whenever I feel comfortable doing it or, you know, kind of on my own time. But God gives us opportunities every day to follow through in obedience with that. He puts people in our lives every day that we could be sharing the gospel with. 
But if we only are doing it when it's convenient for us or when we feel comfortable doing it, well, that's only complete or that's only partial obedience. Uh, another thing, you know, is when God tells you, hey, you know, go have a conversation with somebody, go pray for somebody, go pray with somebody. And you say, well, I'm going to pray for them, but I'm not going to go talk to them. I'll just stay over here and pray for them. But God is leading you to go up to that person and talk to them and pray with them. And sometimes we just kind of put ourselves in this bubble where we're like, I'm just going to do whatever is comfortable for me. I'm going to do whatever I feel comfortable doing. And Saul found himself in this place. He said, man, I could really use these extra sheep and these extra cattle and these extra oxen. I could really put those to use, you know, for my people. But God said, destroy it all. Right. And so Saul found himself coming up short when it comes to complete obedience. And that just, again, reminds me so much of people. We come up short when it comes to complete obedience. God never calls us to partial obedience. He calls us to carry everything out that he says for us to do in completion, to carry it out all the way to the end. Uh, one verse that, that talks about that is Exodus 19.5. It says, now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the people's for all the earth is mine. Jeremiah 7.23 says, but this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you will be my people and you will walk in all the way which I command you that it may be well with you. It says nothing in those two verses about partial obedience. He says, obey my voice, listen to my voice, do what I tell you to do. John 14.15, Jesus tells his disciples, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, you will keep my commandments. To love Jesus is to obey Jesus. To not obey Jesus is to not love Jesus. Uh, it, that's how I interpret this verse. None of these verses say anything about partial obedience. None of these verses say anything about just giving 75% or giving 80% or giving 50% or giving 0%. These verses and this scripture tells us that God requires 100% obedience right in the time when God calls us to do something. Saul, he gave partial obedience. Not only did he give partial obedience though, he gave partial truth. He told a partial truth. So continuing reading in this, uh, in this passage in verse 10, it says, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I've made Saul king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told Samuel, uh, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on, and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel said to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people who uh, spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you're little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? 
And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the best of things devoted to destruction uh, to sacrifice the Lord your God in Gilgal. So first, he was just partially obedient. And then when he was confronted about this, you know, Samuel says, hey, you didn't, you didn't carry this out all the way. Then he kind of finds himself in a sticky situation and has to scramble. And so he only tells a partial truth, right? And, and the first partial truth that he tells is that I have, com- I have performed the command of the Lord. He straight up said, I did it. I did what God told me to do, which obviously is not true. He didn't do what God told him to do. And, and Samuel confronted him about this. And, you know, maybe in Saul's mind, uh, maybe he thought that he did, you know, really complete what God told him to do. Maybe in his mind, he carried it out to completion. Maybe he actually thought he was being obedient to the Lord. But I have to think, based on the command, if you go back and read the first few verses that we read, based on the command of the Lord that Samuel gave to Saul, you have to, you have to think that Saul knew that he wasn't doing it fully. You have to think Saul knew that he wasn't carrying out the fullness of God's command. But maybe, maybe not. You know, in our, in our sinful and in our finite minds, sometimes our judgment can get a little cloudy. Sometimes we think that we're being obedient when we're not. Sometimes we think that, that we're doing enough, we're, we're doing enough to get by. Maybe this was where Saul was at. But I think that he knew. I think that Saul knew that he wasn't fully doing what God called him to do. And so when he found himself in this place where he was being confronted, he told a partial truth, which a partial truth is a whole lie. Um, I've heard that said many times throughout my life. A partial truth is a whole lie. And this is what Saul did. He found himself in a sticky situation and he tried to lie his way out of it. Uh, And that first lie was just, you know, I did it. I did what God told me to do. Sometimes I like to, uh, to kind of paraphrase um, things in the Bible and try to put them in our language. Um, and so this is how I imagine uh, the conversation between Saul and Samuel going. So Saul's sitting there and he sees Samuel coming up to him and he goes and he, he meets him before Samuel has a chance to get close enough so that he knows that something's wrong. Saul goes up and he's like, hey, Sammy, how you doing, man? Yeah, I, I finished it. I did what God told me to do. It's all good. You can, you know, carry on your way. And Samuel, you know, is kind of looking around. He's like, that's funny. You know, I I thought I just heard a goat. I thought I just heard a sheep bleeding in the distance. I thought I just heard an oxen out there. You know, if you really carried this through, then then why are these animals here? Why, Why do you, why did you not destroy all these animals? And, you know, this leaves Saul again in a moment of scrambling, trying to figure out, okay, how can I get myself out of this? How can I, how can I lie my way through this? And so then he already has told one partial truth and he follows it up by telling another partial truth. He says, he shifts the blame onto the other people. He says, they brought back the spoils of the oxen and the sheep. Talking about his, his warriors, his men. He says, they did it. They brought them back. He shifts the blame. How often do we do that as humans? When, whenever we find ourselves in a situation where we've gotten caught doing something that's wrong and we say, oh, well, I'm gonna you know, shift the blame. I'm gonna say, well, they did it. It wasn't me, it was them. But in this time, no warrior would do something unless their king told them to do it. And so obviously, even if it was 
the warriors who physically brought the oxen and the sheep and everything back. It was Saul who commanded them to do so. It was Saul who put that in motion, right? And so now he's told two partial truths or two whole lies, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, and, and he just keeps stacking lie on top of lie and sin on top of sin. And he even repeats it again and says, man, I, I did what God told me to do. I did it. And, and I can kind of imagine that he's, he might be getting a little frustrated at this point because Samuel keeps confronting him and, and pushing and like, you didn't do it. You, you didn't do what God has told you to do. You know, God is, has told me what you did and it wasn't the command that God gave you. And so I have to imagine Saul at this point is like, man, I wish you would just leave me alone about it. Like, you know, I did what I did. It's over. But Samuel knew what the command of God was and he was going to, you know, follow through with that and, and, and seek to resolve whatever was going on in this situation. So again, I think of myself in this situation. Uh, so just a little bit of my testimony throughout high school, started really in middle school throughout high school, uh, I, you know, found myself in a lot of situations where I was doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing, getting in trouble with my parents, um, you know, and, and there were some times where I could lie my way out of it, and I did. And even when I couldn't lie my way out of it, I tried. Um, and, and I found myself oftentimes just stacking lie on top of lie, trying to get myself out of situations, trying to, to you know, shift the blame onto others and, and try to make it look like I wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, and eventually, like, all that caught up with me, left me in a broken place, and I, and I realized that, that ultimately who I was lying to the most was myself and God, and, and that left me broken. And that's kind of when, uh, when my life kind of turned and I started getting serious about the things of the Lord, but, but that's what I did for a long time. I just found myself over and over and over again just stacking lie on top of lie, stacking sin on top of sin, and Saul is in this exact same place. He, he, he knows he's been caught, you know, doing something he wasn't supposed to. He knows that, that Samuel knows that he didn't do it. He knows that God knows that he didn't do it. And so he's just trying to, to lie his way out of it. He's trying to make it out like he didn't do anything uh, wrong. But that's not what God requires of us. God requires truth from us because God is truth. Uh, in, in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And, and our, our faith is centered on Jesus, and if our faith is centered on Jesus, and our faith is centered on truth, and so there has to be nothing but truth in our faith. And we see Saul fall short in telling the truth. And sometimes telling the truth just means owning up to you messing up, just saying, yeah, I messed up. You know, I sinned, I fell short, I did something I wasn't supposed to do. Oftentimes that is where we find ourselves trying to tell the partial truth is when we're trying to deny our own sin. Uh, and, and I've found myself in this place so many times when I know I'm in sin and I try to make up some kind of reason or try to shift the blame and say, well, I did it because of this or this person pressured me into it or, or this, is, this is the big one that I hear. You know, the devil made me do it. I sinned, but the devil made me do it. He, he made me. Well, listen, friends, the devil doesn't have that type of power over you. If you are a believer, the devil cannot force you to do anything. He can put stuff in front of you. He can tempt you. He can put things in your path that will make you fall. But ultimately, when you sin, that's your choice to make. The devil does not force you to sin. Satan does not 
force you to do anything, nor do people force you to do anything. A person has never forced me to sin. They have given me the opportunity to sin and I have chose to follow through in that, but nobody's ever made me sin. It's my own choice and it's your own choice when that happens. And so that is a big part of not falling into the trap of telling partial truths is owning up when you sin. Owning up to yourself, admitting it to yourself, admitting it to God, admitting it to a brother or sister that you've sinned against, because that is what God requires of us, and that is being centered around truth, because our faith is centered around truth. Uh, and just like, I just was thinking, you know, there are so many aspects where we try to tell partial truths in our life, uh, and, and one is like, if you know a, fi a fisherman, somebody who goes fishing a lot, you know somebody that tells partial truths. Because any good fisherman is going to catch a two-pound bass and tell you that it was a six-pound bass. Any good fisherman will do it, right? And so even in things that don't matter, we, just, we, we find a way to, to make up some kind of partial truth. Because it is partially true. They caught a bass. It just wasn't six pounds, right? So even in things that don't even matter, like that's just our nature is to want to, to you know, make it seem better than it is. Um, and, and this is what Saul was doing. He, he told a partial truth and, and that led him into stacking lie on top of lie and sin on top of sin. Uh, and then we see how God uh, uh, reacted to that. So not only did he have partial obedience, not only did he tell partial truth, um, but he, he gave a partial sacrifice. Verses 22 through 24, they, uh, this is Samuel. It says, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So, you know, this... Here comes this, uh, this lie that, that he told. He said, well, I took, I took these animals because I was going to sacrifice them to the Lord. You know, I, I'm not sure. I don't know this for a fact, but in my own gut feeling, I have a feeling that when Saul took those animals, he wasn't taking them as to give a sacrifice to the Lord. He just kind of came up with that when he found out that he got caught. This was not his uh, initial plan. And so he, he got caught. He knew that he was wrong. And so he said, Oh, well, well, you know, I just took them because I was going to give a sacrifice. I took, took them because I was going to do something for the Lord that was amazing. You know, I was going to sacrifice all the good animals. This was going to be for God. You know, he kind of used that as his excuse for why he did it. Um, and so sacrifice, especially in this time, was a big deal. Sacrifice was a big deal. This is how they atoned for sins in the Old Testament was by sacrifice. And so, you know, Saul knew that and he said, okay, well, I can use this to kind of get my way out of this, uh, this situation that I'm in. And so the very beginning, this, this sacrifice was a partial sacrifice because it's not truly what his heart desired. His, heart, his heart's desire was, you know, to keep those animals and to use them to make a profit off of them or to, to use them for his own good. His initial desire was not to use those animals for sacrifice. So even if he had followed through with actually sacrificing those animals, it would have been half-heartedly because that wasn't his first heart's desire. That wasn't what he truly wanted, right? And, and this makes me think about us in our obedience. How often is it that we obey 
but kind of obey with a sour attitude and say, man, this isn't really what I wanted to do, but I'm going to do it anyways. The Bible is very clear that the intention of the heart matters a lot in these situations. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 uh, says that, you know, you can, you can speak with, with angelic voices or you can have all these amazing prophecies. You can do all these amazing things. You can have great faith. But if, it, but if you're not doing it out of a place of love, then it's meaningless. It, it has no meaning. And so that, to me, says the intention of your heart matters, even in obedience. And, and I've heard people ask a question, you know, if my heart's not really in obeying, should I just not obey? You know, they, they, have, this, they have this idea of, of should, I, should I half-heartedly obey or should I just not obey at all? And that's a really, really tricky question because, yes, we're called to obey, but we're also called to willing, wholehearted obedience. And so you kind of got to let the Lord deal with you in that and say, you know, am I, am I willing to obey even if I'm going to have a sour attitude about it or am I just going to not do it at all? Um, you know, God calls us to obedience, like I said, but he also calls us to willing obedience. And this comes in the way of sacrifice because this often looks like us having to give up something that we enjoy in order to follow. Because a lot of times when we don't want to follow through in obedience is because there's something else better that we'd rather be doing or something else that we'd rather have. Um, and it often comes from a place of self-gain, self-promotion, self-kingdom building, any of those things. Um, and so when God calls us to obey, He calls us to do it with a, a whole heart, a willing heart. And we see Saul, he was in this, he was in this situation and he says, hey man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice these animals, but that wasn't really my heart's desire. This is, this is, what, this is what Saul was, was in this place going through, right? And so we have to understand that, that God requires willingness. He requires our heart to be in the right place. And, and that's a hard thing to do because sometimes we just don't want to do things. Sometimes we just don't want to follow through in what God calls us to do. And, and again, that comes from a place of, of self-centeredness. But when we, when we truly seek God and we, when we truly follow through in obedience and, and follow through in willing obedience, we see that the reward of that is so great and that the fruit of that is so great that it, that it leads us into wanting to obey in the next time. And it leads us into being willing in the next time to, to be obedient. It's not always easy. It's not always exactly what we want when God calls us to do something, but it's what's best for us. Um, and I've been talking with the students about this, this thought of, of understanding, you know, kind of understanding what God's will for your life is. And, and there's this idea that God has a specific will for each person's life, but he also has this understood will for the lives of all the Christians. Um, and this comes in many ways, but you know, I was telling some of the students, like, if you're ever seeking God's specific will for your life, like, where do you want me to go to college? Where do you, where do you want me to, what do you want me to study? What kind of job do you want me to pursue? All these things. Sometimes you may not be able to hear those things if you're not being obedient in all the understood things that God has for us. Like, we don't have to pray and ask God if it's, if it's his will for us to go share the gospel with people. We know that that's God's will for our lives. We don't have to ask. That's, that's understood will, and that's found in Scripture. We don't have to pray and ask God, 
if we should, you know, be committing adultery or not. We know God's will in that. We know that it's God's will for us not to do that. We don't have to, we don't have to ask that question. And so sometimes we can be so focused on God's specific will and seeking that, that we forget all the understood things that we're supposed to be doing that are found in scripture. And we, we focus on just doing whatever it is, what is God's specific will for my life right now? instead of just being obedient in the things that we know God is calling us to do. And, and that requires sacrifice, and that requires a willingness to, to be obedient in all the little things. You know, to us, it may seem like a little thing that Saul would say, okay, well, I'm gonna keep some of the animals. I'm gonna keep them for myself. To us, that may seem like a little thing. It's like, okay, you know, we can kind of say, you know, what's the harm in that? He wanted some of the animals. He can make a use for them. Like, that's good. Like. We can look at that and say, I can kind of understand that. But that's not what God called him to do. God called him to, to leave nothing behind, to destroy everything, right? And that is why it's a big deal to God, and that's why it should be a big deal to us, because it was God's command. Um, and so even, even in Saul's, you know, saying that, oh, I took these animals for a sacrifice, that wasn't his heart's desire. It was just a partial sacrifice. It was just... He didn't really want to do it. He didn't really want to, to follow through in that sacrifice. He was just doing that to get himself out of the situation. Sometimes we can, we can be in that place where, where we're going we're gonna to just partially be obedient because, well, you know, I got caught. Now I have to follow through in doing this. Sometimes we can come to a place where that's, that's the reality of our lives. And so that's what Saul did. He gave... A, a partial sacrifice. He wasn't willing to sacrifice his own desires, his own will, his own plans that he had. He wasn't willing to do that. The next thing that Saul does is that he gives a partial repentance. He gives a partial repentance. So we're going to pick up in verse 24. It says that Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned for I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to you to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Saul here, you know, he admits that he sinned, he admits that he fell short, he admits that he was wrong, um, and he offers up this repentance, right? And, And you know, just reading this passage, we may think that this was a true, genuine repentance. We, we may think that, you know, he really felt bad about what he did. He really wanted to make it right with God. Um, but if you know the story of Saul as it carries through um, into the life of David, you know that Saul didn't carry through in these, these thoughts, this repentance. Saul, you know, immediately turned back to arrogance, immediately turned back to promoting himself because when he found out David was going to be the next king, he tried to go and kill David. He tried to go and, and not have that happen because he wanted to remain king. It was still all about him. 
And so to me, that makes me think that his repentance wasn't genuine. You know, he may, have, he may have actually been sorry. He may have actually felt bad about what he did, but there was not a true repentance. The Greek word used in the New Testament for repent is metanoia. Um, and this word means a change of mind, uh, the state of changing any or all of the elements composing one's life, attitude, thoughts, and behaviors concerning the, the, the demands of God for right living. So repentance, you know, we've all heard this definition that repentance is just turning away from your sin, turning to God. Um, But the New Testament word for repentance literally means a change of life, a change of mind, a change of thought, a change of action, a change of behavior. Like there has to be transformation for there to be true repentance. Um, And and we kind of sometimes have a misunderstood idea of repentance. We think that repentance is just saying sorry and asking to be forgiven. That's, sometimes that's how we look at repentance. But according to the New Testament and to the, to the Greek word used, repentance is this complete shift of your life whenever you sin. You, you know that you've been in sin, you know that you have fallen short and you say, okay, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna transform my life to that that Christ is calling me to, right? And so Saul didn't do this. Saul did not transform his life to this. He did not change his behavior. He did not change the way he thought about things. He did not change the way he thought about the commands of God. Yeah, he said he was sorry, he asked for forgiveness, but then he continued in sin. He continued in seeking his own will over God's will. He continued in seeking his own plan over God's plan. So there was no true repentance. He gave a partial repentance, which is not a repentance at all. It's just, you know, saying you're sorry. It's an apology. Um, and so sometimes this is what we do in our lives. We, we find ourselves in sin. We find ourselves in this place where we know we've done something wrong. And usually it's not until we caught, get caught that we ask for forgiveness. And then so we get to this place, we got caught doing something and we say, oh well, man, I'm sorry. Like, would you forgive me? And then there's no real change that happens along with that. We just We go back to doing it right after that and just hoping that we don't get caught doing it again. This is just kind of the way that we live because that's that's our inclination. We wanna do what we wanna do. We're selfish people. You know, human nature is all about self. That's why God calls us to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him. That's why God calls us to die to ourselves daily so that we can follow him because our self wants what's best for us. But God wants what's best for us too, but what we think is best for us and what God thinks is best for us is not always the same. And so true repentance comes when you really change the way you see God, change the way you see sin, change the way you react to sin. And Saul didn't do that. He kept going in this, in this manner of following his own self-promotion. He wanted to be king. He wanted David gone because David was gonna take his throne. He wanted, you know, what he wanted. And so there was not a true repentance there. True and complete repentance is changing your mind and changing your action. Many Christians think that, that you just gotta say the right words or you gotta, you know, do the right things and that kinda makes you right with God. Um, there's, there's two things wrong with that thought though. One is that you can't make yourself right with God. Only God can make you right with God. And two, your actions have to match the words that you say. 
you have to back up the things that you say. If you say that, that you are a follower of Christ and then your life does not reflect that, then your actions don't match what you say, and that's hypocrisy. And this is a, I see hypocrisy all in this passage of Saul um, because he keeps saying that he's following God's command. He keeps saying that he's doing what God's telling him to do. He keeps saying that he wanted to sacrifice those animals. He keeps saying that, that he's sorry. He keeps saying that he wants forgiveness. But that's all hypocrisy because the, the moment that he has the opportunity to, he turns back to his old ways and he begins pursuing himself again. And again, I've said this <laughs> so many times already, but I just think of myself in this situation because I've seen myself do this time and time again where I, I think I'm repenting. I think I'm you know, seeking after God and then the moment I have the opportunity to, I turn back to my own will. I turn back to my own plan. I turn back to whatever it is that I have for myself and not turning to what God has for me, not turning to what God has called me to. And often, over and over and over again, I see other people do that as well. They, they think that, that they are repenting. They think that they are getting themselves right with God. But at the end of the day, all they're doing is saying sorry and then hoping they don't get caught again, which is exactly what Paul did. And so these are the four things that, that Saul did that, that we can learn how not to live our lives, right? And so there was partial obedience, there was partial truth, partial sacrifice, and partial repentance. The truth is, is that God calls us to complete everything that he calls us to do. He never calls us to partial anything. He never calls us to, to be one foot in, one foot out. He never calls us to halfway do something. Everything God calls us to, he requires 100% submission, 100% obedience, 100% being all in for his will. And that comes with <laughs> sacrifice. That comes with being willing to give up our own pleasures, being willing to give up our own plans, being willing to give up our own ideas, right? And so we can look at Saul's life and say, I'm going to learn from Saul on how not to live my life. And I think these four things are a good start to that. Um, and so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in a word of prayer, and then uh, we're going to have uh, a time of invitation, a time of response. Um, if you feel like the Lord is dealing with you in any way, um, whether that be you know, salvation, whether that be wanting to become a member of the church, whether that be repenting of sin, whether that be of just you know, trying to get your, your life back on track, kind of following what God's calling you to do, you're going to have an opportunity to respond to that. Um, I'll be down front if you need to talk, um, and, and there, we're gonna sing another song, but I'm gonna lead us in a prayer um, before we get to that time. God, we thank you so much just for who you are, God, and we just recognize you as holy, holy, holy. Um, God, you are on your throne, and, and you see us, and you hear us, um, and God, we just thank you so much for, for the truth of that. Um, God, I thank you that we get to look at scripture, and we get to look at all the people who did things right and we get to look at all the people who did things wrong and there's things to learn from, from all of that, Lord. And I just pray that, that we would take the truths uh, from the scripture and apply them to our lives, God, and that, that we would be changed. Um, and God, and that, that when we truly seek you, God, that, that it comes with transformation of the heart, transformation of the mind, transformation of the actions, God, because that is what you call us to. Um, God, and I pray for, for 
anybody in this room who is struggling with, with any of those things, um, struggling with being fully obedient, struggling with, with knowing uh, what true repentance is, God, that, that you would just deal with their heart and you would reveal that to them, um, God, and that, that we, would, we would all leave this, this building uh, changed in some way, God, because we had an encounter with you this morning. Um, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross um, to, to pay the penalty that, that we weren't able to pay, God, to, to atone for the sin that we weren't able to atone for, God. Um, help us to never take that for granted. Help us to never um, take your love for granted. Help us to never abuse your mercy and your grace. God, but help us to walk in it freely every day and help us to give that uh, hope to other people um, outside of this building. We know that every time we leave this building, we're entering a mission field um, and that there's people all around us that, that need to know the gospel and need to know the truth of who you are. So help us to be obedient in that, Lord. Thank you again uh, just for this church, um, God. And again, we pray for our team that, that's in South Asia, that, that you would just be with them and keep them safe and that the gospel would be spoken very clearly and that people's lives would be changed um, there as well as here, Lord. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. This has been Sermon Audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.